but I don't <coughs> want to. Black and black. Black is just wanna, so classy. It is. Yeah. It's so elegant. I don't want to pair it up with any color. Yeah. Okay. I'm just like That's I totally just want to do black because I do like color, and so I'm like, oh, I can do an accent. But any color combination I think of is not as good as just a completely black party event. The only and so I'm thinking food. maybe I can um, do it around like a material. So like lace or like mm-hmm. leather, Ooh. and then that could be leather a, daddy. Oh my god, a leather wedding dress. Because leather then, daddy wedding. then I could still wear like black leather, and then other people could wear like red leather if they wanted. To. Red leather, Ooh. yellow leather, red, red leather, leather, yellow leather. leather. Red leather. But it would be uh, cool if you did uh, yellow leather. All of it black, and then the only place there were color were in like the flower bouquets on the tables, just like little tiny. Yeah, it's gonna be black everywhere. Okay. I agree, but also every single thing. And yeah, no, no. I, I, I thought about it. Drinks. I thought about it, and I was just like, I can do another color, but I will not. It does not. Black. Yeah. Glitter. Precisely. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my black god. And black party. Black, black flower and petals black. when you go down the aisle. Ooh. Absolutely. Oh, every. Sick. Every. Anyway, um, <laughs> if I were to have a big old schmarty. I would probably do a lot of colors. I know Gwen was a lot of colors. I did. I would do a lot of colors. I'd probably do. Would orange be a? Yes, them? I was. Gonna I say was orange. like, I was, I was trying. To orange is a good color. Orange is a good color. It's the color of your soul. Yep. All right. <laughs> yeah, probably like orange, green, red, like a sage. Good like green. a dark green and a sage green. Ooh. Also, dusty colors are really good. Oh yeah, and a brown. Brown. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I'm gonna stop listing colors now. No, I'm into it. I like it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I would oh. do. I didn't say my name. I'm so sorry. I mean, you talked I, about your name being Macy. I am Macy. Earlier. Yeah. So introduce twice. I'm sorry, Morgan. I think we just need to remind okay. of our voices. That was my introduction. Like yeah. Fans. That was my introduction. Well, we all sound like <laughs> white girls. <laughs> I mean, yeah, work. Yeah. Do be looking like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Hello, Morgan. Again. Um. I would do either an emerald or forest green, a Ooh. mother of pearl, Ooh. and then like a pale gold. And mm. now, okay. So I've had those colors picked out for like since I started dating my like first high school boyfriend. Like the first time I ever thought about ooh commitment yeah. or whatever. Ooh, and so it pisses me off because now with Loki, uh, how uh, everyone's like, ooh, dark green and gold. Um, and I'm like, it's not that. Like, yes, that's good too, but this is not that. You could do white gold. That'd be pretty. Well, that's what I was thinking about with like, the mother of pearl. Right. But yeah, dark green, forest green, emerald green, that thing. Greens are good. Greens yeah, are really yeah. good. Like, if I, ever, if I, I do like ever do that, I would want my ring. I would want my ring to be an emerald cut emerald on a gold band. That's I didn't nice. think about wedding ring. Next, we'll do that next time. Or not next time. Next time. Yeah, that Finally just goes in the colors. Right we'll though. do the. <laughs> I would do a mother of pearl dress. We could, if you wanted. The oh. dress would be mother of pearl, mm-hmm. not exactly white, mm-hmm. but that. Shiny. Yeah. Like ish. And then, in the forest. In the forest. I like champagne colors and like. Champagne. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah, my dress definitely would not be white. I like a lot yeah. of colors that I do not wear or necessarily look. I could have a red oh, dress. I would have that be the red. That's fair. You can have everything else. You like a little flame. Wait, what? A uh, red dress. I don't think my red mom. Red dress. Wait, you'd want a red wedding dress? Wait. Pop. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Hot, no, hot heels. Red dress. Red dress. I could. Yeah. You'd look sick as hell. Yeah, it would be really good. Good time. My mom. 
would ultimately uh. allow me to get whatever I wanted, but she'd just be like, God, we should have done I could get away with a light purple, a light blue, or a light pink, I think, mm-hmm. and I like all of those colors. My mom could suck my ass. Ooh, like a really light, 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 like blush pink? Yeah. yeah. I would look naked. Because <laughs> I am a little <laughs> pink. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty pink, too. That's I mean, why it's going to be like in the winter, so I don't sweat as much. Mm. Or inside mm. anywhere, but probably also in the winter. Ooh, and I, up, mm. Seasons. And I was thinking, like, desert wedding. Ooh. I, honestly, I would elope if I ever actually did get married. I would just elope. I'd have a big ass party. Big ass party. I'd have a big ass party, and then I'm that travel somewhere. Yeah, yeah and I'd probably only invite maybe my like, I like all of my friends. I would send any friends, immediate family. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> my friends, friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not my grandma. <laughs> Not my grandma. I wouldn't invite mine either, but they're all dead. So, oh, yeah. All the the only grandmas I would invite are dead. So, yeah. Yeah. rip. Oof. Rip. Well, the one I would not invite is dead, so. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so yeah. you already yeah. knocked him off the guest list. Wait, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah, if I had to. Because if I marry a woman, no I way she would come. Family. Yeah, no, thank you. My family, I don't even think my family likes me very much, so it's I, weird. I would and only send them, like, the info just so that I would get gifts. Just so I'd get gifts. Like those bitches are obsessed with me. Well, I, honestly, they don't know me enough to dislike yeah. or like like or dislike me, but I just want them to send me money. So they don't really like what I post. My family's poor, so they can't even send me money. I would well, also California Republicans though. So. Oh, mm-hmm. I would do That's also no kids. Yeah. Like literally, no one under the age of eighteen would be allowed. Oh, that yeah, yeah, but I like that. But I, I would like my niece. I like. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I can deal That's with your children, family. but I totally understand people who don't want kids. I just there. maybe I like, like would maybe kids. kids at like the wedding ceremony, but right. at the reception at the party. Yeah, because I want to play a bunch of yeah. I want to play a bunch of like ho shit. Yeah, and like. My feelings didn't give a fuck. It's like, first of all, kids are good. They were dancing hardcore. I know, but if they start like crying and causing a scene, people with kids should get when they go to events. Wait, what? People with kids, they get someone watch their kids when they go to events. Yeah. Like, I would even do it. I mean, I was going to say, yeah. No, I mean, that's fair. If you, you know, can't, you can't go, that's unfortunate. But, like, it's that person's wedding. I would almost go to the extent of, like, at a, if I like, if it was like at a place, whatever, and there's a hotel, if the hotel has like a childcare oh, facility, yeah, that would be fucking nice. Yeah, that would be. Well, I would love to have a destination wedding, but none of my family is rich enough to be able to go. Right. So or just me. elope. Well, I, I would just go I'll on a elope. super fancy honeymoon. But I, I would also want the big party. I would elope mm. in Ireland. I just love giving people I food also, and alcohol. Yeah, That's I what I would I do. I didn't even think about the honeymoon part. That's probably not something I would really look into. I would just elope in Ireland and then do somewhere. Ireland and yeah, Scotland and travel I want to travel somewhere with vacation? my friends though. That's not that oh I my wouldn't God. like my friends. We could just have others. a we could have a friends honeymoon. I would just room. room. My friends are coming with me on the honeymoon. Oh my god. I'm already if I ever That's get married, idea. I don't think I will. We don't even but need to get married. Just have a trip. Let's just all go on a trip. We do that. I'd have like a two week honeymoon or at least at least two weeks. Two weeks, and then the first week it would, be, it would just yeah. be. It would just be. We're not gonna be fucking twenty four seven. S O. That would be pretty and impressive. Then the next week, have my friends come and be like, "Hello." Mm-hmm. I guess I just feel like if my if I had a significant other that I would get married to, they would also like all of my friends. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, considering well, yeah, the past like three relationships. Also, we all hang out together all the time. Yeah, exactly. We so live together. Our significant others get Pulled very in. used to it. <laughs> Pulled yeah. in, trapped. Yes. <laughs> you know what would be cool? 
the fucking uh, Maid of Honor movie uh, where the they get married in a castle in Scotland. Yeah, that was Ooh. That's some Katie shit. Dude, okay, yeah, so that's what I'm saying, like... What? I said that's some Katie shit. But, like, if we have, like, an unlimited budget, if it's, like, a fantasy thing, and unlimited budget, like, I'm I'm playing a fucking game on the internet, like, a dress-up game. If it's, I fucking rent out the Palace of Versailles, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God! I don't oh, think I would. Hall of Bro, mirrors. Okay, okay. Not, to, not to be, be that bitch, I would breaking would dawn cool that way. Not, not to be that bitch. And then I burn down the palace. My favorite, I'm I'm my favorite part of weddings is the food. I would get so yes. much food, uh, bitch. And then open gourmet. bar. Gourmet. Oysters. Fuck no, people that make it pay. Fuck hash bars. I went to a wedding recently and there was an open bar. I'm so sorry, Abby, if you ever, I'm so sorry, Abby, if you listen to this. I could have said it wasn't your wedding, but you know it's your wedding. Um, the open bar, she didn't pay for it, but it was like the groom's parents paid for it. Good. And it was like fun, but it was like well, okay, cause <laughs> it, was, it was just like the bar, the, the wedding. No, the bar. The, the wedding was cute. Are expensive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a deal but the fucking, I'm talking unlimited budget. You here. just, you, Honestly, she should have beer just and wine with someone cool, she though, knew like, that was bartended. Like I can make fucking drinks. The person yes, that was they, making no, drinks people do that, was but not it's very your good friend's at friend's wedding. You don't yeah. want to be stuck making and drinks for everyone the whole night. That is true. But I just meant like quality wise, because the person she was fine or whatever. But it was the groom's. The groom's family didn't really buy enough, like, alcohol. They bought, like, three fucking cases of dose cans, by the way, not even bottles. So whenever I asked for dressed, the lady was like, I'm sorry, there's some salt inside your can. Which is fine. Yeah. But, like, girl, get some fucking bottles for your wedding. <laughs> what? It wasn't her. It was the groom's. Right, right. I'm talking about the, I'm mostly talking about the fucking groom's parents, because it was their fault. True. And they bought, like... Like two bottles of like whiskey or some shit. That is not how many people were at the wedding. No, it was a it was a small wedding. Less than fifty. Honestly, beer and wine. You you can't say open bar and be like, here's three drinks. All right, let's let's move on. Semi open, no ingredients. I feel like we should start leaving the intro to like ten minutes. Oh, so no, I mean it's all of us. We literally just all keep talking about just feed off irrelevant stuff, but. Hey, our Sorry, hypothetical weddings are not irrelevant. That's fair. True. We can always just cut this off. The list, if the listeners want to get to know us, they want to get to know us. They give us skip. Yeah, they also, skip. That's fair. Most of the listeners are like our friends. Yeah. Hello, friends. They love this shit. We love that you. one person's going to be like, wow, Macy's dissing on my fucking wedding. Yeah. Abby would listen to this. <laughs> if she she would have told me she was listening to the podcast. Fair. Well, she'll we know now. <laughs> Abby, I love you. You look beautiful at your wedding. That's all that matters. <coughs> True. You did look fierce. I saw those pics. Yeah. Okay. M is for mine disasters. Oh. Mine? Not mind. Right? Mine. Yeah, mind disasters. I wonder what that would be. My how the turntable. Psychological? Yeah. Yeah, that would be kind of an interesting play on it. I can maybe do that for the next M when it comes around. Do a different M. (laughs) Weddings. Do a different M. Mine disasters. Yeah, definitely gonna do a different M. Okay, so. I've got four today. Uh, I'm not gonna do any, uh, extra, what is it? Bonus? Bonus mentions. Honorable Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Yeah, you're right. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, because the last one on this list is super, super detailed, and so it's really, really long. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm in. Um, What does it stand for again? Mind. 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 Mind.
Mine, um, M-I-N-E. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So like, like the underground. Yes. So no. Like mining. No, like the you know those silent clowns. The, yeah. They're <laughs> like, <laughs> mine like, disaster. Like, mine disaster. Mine like, disaster. What the fuck does that mean? Actually getting trapped in the box. Mime disasters. <laughs> yeah, no, they just start talking. That's a mime disaster. True. That's, like, That's just a bad mime. Yeah. Um, so, these are actually relatively well known oh, for mime disasters. Uh, but I like these, so I'm going to talk about them anyways. Okay. I don't really know them any of them. Well, for people who know them, about mime disasters. Oh, my fat baby. Oh, he's in there with his cousin. Talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Alvin and Aria snuggling. Yeah, I'm sorry hey, to interrupt. I, I just knew I would forget to send it. It's worth it, because they're so cute. They're really cute. So, the first one is the Aberfan disaster. Aberfan. Uh, which I'm an Aberfan. Me too. <laughs> I hate you. I love Aberfan. A-B-E-R-F-A-N. And this was in Wales. And... Alright, I'm sorry. Wales doesn't come up often. I am so fucking Welsh. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Say that word. Merthyr... Merthyr... Tildyr... I think it's just... Merthyr Tidfu. Merthyr Tidfu. There you go. Merthyr Tidfu. I'm gonna Google Is it. the town. Yeah, I was like, I don't fucking speak Welsh. You know how hard that is? <laughs> uh, so it's, uh... Yeah? Mm, one second. Okay. I spelt that Yeah, right. so... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So it consists of two cottages and an inn, at, oh. or it did at the time. Um, and uh, so the closest town was Mirthur Tidfu. And uh, in 1966 is when this occurred, and its population had grown to about 5,000 people, and most of them were involved in the coal mining industry in some way or another. They were either miners or they worked for the mining company in some capacity. So, since the nationalization of the British coal industry in 1947, Aberfan's Colliery, which I am assuming is just like another name for coal mining industry, um, had been under the control of the National Coal Board, and they are not great at regulating things. Um, so, when you do coal mining, you gotta put the you know the dirt you dig out. You have to put it somewhere, mm -hmm. and those things. You know that's also a thing with archaeology. Yeah, they um, oftentimes do not know where to put the dirt. Yeah, so they call it um, a spoil or a tip, um, things the, like that. The extra dirt. Yeah, so okay. they just basically pile it into a giant mountain of the dirt mm -hmm. away from where they are. Um, so the first spoil from the mine was deposited on the valley's lower slopes east of the canal, but during the 1910s, the first tip was started on the western slopes above the canal line and the village. So they decided they were going to put this giant mountain of heavy... Do it spoil on right in above a, a village. Oh, yes. All right. All right. Um. So by 1966, Smash. there were seven of these heaps. Um. So they were approximately two two million m to the three of waste. I don't know what that is. M cubed. cubed? So cubic two, meters. Yes. So two point six million cubic yards. So I'm assuming two point two million uh, meters of cubic meters of cubic meters so that's a lot it's a giant giant dirt pile 
So tips four and five. I feel like they could have sold that dirt. There are plenty of places that sell dirt. Maybe, maybe mean, it wasn't it's good not, dirt. Yeah, because it's like, you know, all fucked up because of all... Because coal is dirty and shit, so it's just got a bunch of, like, coal residue and, like, water and grossness all in it. So it, you couldn't... It would be hard to, like, gross, grow stuff in it, I would assume. I don't know. I also don't know. I have no idea when people began to sell dirt and how much that dirt costs. Hmm. Um, so tips four and five were conical mounds at the apex of the slope, although tip four was misshapen from an earlier slip. So the remaining five were lower down and they were all directly above the village. So tip seven was the only one currently, not currently, but being used at the time in 1966. It was about 111 feet high and it contained uh, 227,000 cubic meters of spoil. Um, yeah, so this included 30,000 cubic yards or 23,000 cubic meters of tailings, which are waste from the chemical extraction of coal, fine particles of coal and ash, which took on properties similar to quicksand when wet. Oh That's <coughs> terrifying. So the stability of these giant piles of dirt is affected by the water and rain, and Britain is very rainy. And so, uh, tips four, five, and seven had been sited on streams or springs. So they, they built them on top of streams or springs. Mm. Um, it was common knowledge in the area. These streams had been marked on Ordnance Survey, Survey and Geological Society maps since 1874. So these people knew that there were streams there, and they did it anyway. Um, tip four at Aberfan had been used between 1933 and 1945, um, it was really large, but it had been started on boggy ground between two streams. So, at the time that it, of the planning, the Mithir Tidfil Borough engineer thought, despite the position, it would be unlikely to have an avalanche, so it was fine to put it there. Oh, we looked it up. It's Mutter Tidfil. Phil. With a V. Tidfil. Mutter Tidfil. I'm sorry for any Welsh people. My name is Gwyn, We're probably I'm not. not. Yeah, I was like, we're, we're probably still <laughs> yeah. mispronouncing it's it. It's Mirtha Tidville. Mirtha Tidville. Mirtha Tidville. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 yeah, they, they know. <laughs> it don't be mad. If any Welsh are offended, they can't speak Welsh. They could just send True. us a video of them actually pronouncing it. Also, that. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. After this. Yeah, there'd be so many videos. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Um, in the 1940s, uh, the tip slid 490 meters down the mountain side. Just the tip? <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I'll suck your titties right here. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Fist bump. Fist bump me right now. I'm finishing this episode by myself. I'm all the funny comments by myself. This is, this is horrible. We'll just get yes, on the other side of the just door. Just the tip. <laughs> That is approximately 1,600 feet, and it came to rest approximately 500 feet above the village. That's it. That's so close. That's so fucking close. Um, so in May 1963, tip 7 had shifted a little bit, and in November there was another substantial slide. Um, apparently the, NB, the NCB, the National Coal Board, stated that it wasn't a slide but a tailings run or a runoff of tailings from the surface of the tip but it was still stable, so it should be fine. And then uh, they just continued to put more shit on top of it. 
So Aberfan is a pretty, like the area has a really high um, rainfall. They average about 60 inches a year. And in 1960, it was 70 inches that year. Um, between 1952 and 1965, there was a lot of flooding on at least 11 occasions. Um, and residents complained that the flood water was black and left a greasy residue when it receded, which is, receded, mm. which is really gross. Yeah. Yummy. <laughs> so in early 1965, meetings were held between the council, um, the, the Merthyrtivill County Borough Council, um, because they... The topic of the meeting between them was danger from coal slurry being tipped at the rear of the Pent Glass schools because it was right above the school in the town. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, they took the meeting took place in early 1965, and the board agreed to take action on the clogged pipes and drainage ditches that were the cause of the flooding, but. Um, by October 1966, when the tip collapsed, they had not done anything yet. So the first three weeks of October, there was approximately six and a half inches of rainfall, um, and nearly half of that was in the third week. So it was just a light rain, and then towards the end, it just kept getting heavier and heavier. So on the night of the 20th to the 21st of October, the peak of tip seven subsided nine to 10 feet. So it, it like went down about nine to ten feet, Damn. and the rails on which the spoil was transported to the top of the tip fell into the resulting hole. So this was discovered at 7:30 a.m. by the first members of the morning shift managing the heaps. One of the workers walking to the colliery to report the slip, or he walked there to report the slip, and he returned with the supervisor for the tips. And it was decided that no further work was going to be done that day but that a new tipping position would be decided the following week. <laughs> so they were like, oh, I guess we're done with this one. Uh, at 9.15 a.m., a significant amount of water-saturated debris broke away from tip seven and flowed downhill at about 11 to 21 miles an hour. Oh my God. In waves 20 to 30 feet high. Holy, Holy shit. shit. Thanks. <laughs> we are literally all one person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it was a dark, glistening wave which uh, several witnesses saw burst from the bottom of the tip. Approximately 100,000 cubic meters of spoil slid 400, uh, sorry, 640 meters down the mountain, destroying the two farm cottages and killing the occupants. About uh, 38,000 cubic meters traveled along the canal, and across the canal and the railway embankment and into the village. The flow destroyed two water mains buried in the embankment and the additional water further saturated the spoil. Areola hair. Dark as hell. Are you recording? <laughs> I cut it out, but it's You bitch! No, it's fun to listen to when I'm, when I'm editing it. Areo you keep those? My areola hair looks like fucking eyelashes sometimes. Yeah. And I'm just like, why? Oh. I could. Why? Wild takes. Always for us. So when we die, we can listen to each other's voices again? No, um, but the sure. nipple piercings? What? No, I mean, if you don't want to get them, don't get them, but, like... No, I don't. What? Nips? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna do my nips. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nipple piercings but are good. One time, I was hanging up with a guy, mm -hmm. and he was, like, you know... On your nipples? Fucking with me down there. Yeah. And, uh, it came out. <laughs> it unscrewed. Oh, okay. I thought he was, like, ripped out. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was, like, excuse me. No, no, no. Me. It, like, unscrewed, and I was, like... That makes sense. It's not a... 
I keep saying on TikTok because they like taste a, like you know, house mm-hmm. keys. And that's like, not true. Just, I, yeah. I was like, why do you say that? House keys. Metal. Yeah, like but still funny. Yeah, I get it. I've also heard the coins. But now I have, I have like kind of rubbery plastic ones in now because they're more like forgiving like if I accidentally like the pregnancy have you, have you seen those pregnancy belly button rings I have not oh they're really but they're plastic. also pink and glow in the dark <coughs> that's fun that's so fun. that's fun that is really cute I didn't even know they were glow in the dark till like a month after I put them in and I was like oh that would freak me out <laughs> alright let's do this I'm sorry um <coughs> so Him. those who heard the avalanche said it sounded like a low flying jet or thunder Ooh. Ooh. The yeah. avalanche struck the junior school, mm-hmm. uh, Glass Junior School at Moy Road, Moy Road, and it demolished and engulfed much of the structure, filling the oh classrooms with thick mud sludge and rubble. There were no kids, right? 109 children from the 240 <gasps> attendees and five <laughs> teachers were killed in the school. Oh my god! It was 9.15 on a school day. Holy yeah, they were shit. all there. Jesus. Holy fuck! Bro. The pupils okay. of the school had only arrived t- ten minutes earlier for the last day of school before the half-term holiday, Shut which was due up. to start at 12 p.m. Oh my god. Holy shit, Quinn. They had just begun to record the children's attendance when the uh, landslide hit. God. Uh, the adjacent secondary school was also damaged and 18 houses on surrounding roads were destroyed. Um, mud and water from the slide flooded other houses in the vicinity, forcing many to evacuate their homes. And the worst part is, once the slide material had come to a halt, it re-solidified. <gasps> so it, it got pretty hard to get through again. Oh my god. They, like, drowned and suffocated? Yeah, it's hopefully mud. it was mostly just, like, squished immediately. Squished. Uh, a huge mound of slurry up to 30 feet high blocked the area. The acting headmaster of the secondary school recalled the girls' entrance of the secondary school was approximately two-thirds to three-quarters full of rubble and waste material. I climbed onto the rubble in the doorway. When I looked directly in front of me, I saw that the houses in Moy Road had vanished in a mass of tip waste material and that the junior school gable ends or part of the roof were sticking up out of this morass. I looked down to my right and I saw the Moy Moy Road houses had gone. Uh, some of the staff died trying to protect the children. Oh. Nancy uh, Williams was the school meals clerk. She used her body to shield five children who also survived. Oh my. She didn't and was found clutching uh, a pound note that she had been holding. She'd collected it as lunch money and then it just went through. Oh my um, Dave Bainan, the deputy headmaster, tried to use the blackboard and shield himself and five children from the slurry. Um, but he and all 34 pupils in his class were killed. Oh my my god. God. Oh my god. Uh, one resident recalled that when the avalanche stopped, the noise did as well. Uh, in the silence, you couldn't hear a bird or a child. Um, they began, the local residents began digging through the rubble, trying to find, you know, children, um, moving material by hand or with garden tools. The uh, police received a phone call from a local resident. Um, They said, I have been asked to inform that there has been a landslide at Pant Glass. The tip has come down on the school. The fire brigade uh, received a call at the same time, and they made calls to the local hospitals, the ambulance service, and the local civil defense corps. That man and his entire class died. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And he tried. 34 children. Yeah. How many kids it was in total? 109? Yeah. And uh, in total, 144 people died, so the rest were adults. Uh, 
The first miners from the Aberfan Colliery arrived within 20 minutes of the disaster. Um, they were, they had gone, someone had gone down into the mines and been like, hey, the school has just been fucking completely demolished. And so they all came up out of the mines to come and help within 20 minutes. Sheesh. Um, they directed the early digging, knowing that the unplanned excavation could lead to the collapse. And so they worked uh, in order to get everything under control. The first casualties from the records, uh, the, the wreckage, sorry, arrived at St. Tilvid's, uh, Tidville's Hospital at 9.50. And the remaining rescued casualties all arrived before 11 a.m. Uh, there were 22 children, uh, one of whom was dead on arrival, and five adults. Uh, a further nine casualties were sent to the East Glamorgan, Glamorgan, Glamorgan General Hospital. There were no survivors found after 11 a.m. So, of the 144 people who died in the disaster, 116 were children, mostly between the ages of 7 and 10, and 109 of the children died inside Pont Glass Junior School. Five of the adults who died uh, were teachers at the school, and an additional six adults and 29 children were injured. Oof. Um, the 10.30 BBC News Summary led with the story of the accident, so that was only like an hour and 15 minutes after it had even occurred. Um, the result is that a lot of thousands of volunteers traveled to Abraham to help, but they, there were so many of them and they were so inexperienced, it kind of ended up not really helping them very much because, you know, yeah. you need people who know how to do this to do it, not unexperienced volunteers. I mean, the sentiment's very nice, but you know. Yeah. But after, I mean, there Some weren't bonds, any, you know. yeah, there weren't any survivors after that. Um, Yikes. so it was only at 1130 that water authorities managed to turn off the water supply to the town. So until 1130, the water was still pumping into, uh, the spill. So it was still slushy and gross. Um, it added about two to three million liters, I mean, sorry, gallons, or nine to 14 million liters of water. And, um, yeah, yeah, so it, it was just not great. So, uh, there was a meeting that morning, because they were like, there's going to be a lot of angry parents <laughs> wanting us to, uh, you know, come be accountable for this. And the organization's chairman, Lord Rovins, was informed of the disaster. It was decided that the company's director general of production and its chief safety engineer should, expect, should inspect the situation, and so they left for the village immediately. And in his uh, autobiography, Rovins stated that the decision for him not to go was because the appearance of a layman at too early a stage inevitably distracts senior and essential people from the tasks upon which they should be exclusively concentrating. I don't know, man, it kind of sounds like you didn't want to go there because a lot of people would be pretty mad at you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of visiting the scene, he went to a ceremony to uh, invest him as the chancellor of the University of Surrey, which feels bad. Mm. Um, yeah. So the National Coal Board officers covered for him when they were contacted by Cledwin Hughes, the Secretary of State for Wales, and they claimed that Robins was personally directing relief work, which is shitty. Wow. So Hughes visited the scene at Aberfan at 4 p.m. for an hour, and he telephoned the Prime Minister Harold Wilson, 
and confirmed Wilson's own thought that you should also visit. So he was like, yeah, this is uh, pretty big, so I'm going to have to go there too. Uh, Wilson told Hughes to take whatever action he thought necessary, irrespective of any considerations of normal procedures, expenditure, or statutory lim uh, limitations. He arrived at Aberfan at 9.40, um, where he heard reports from the police and the civil defense forces and visited the rescue workers. Uh, after he left at midnight, he and Hughes agreed that a high-level independent inquiry needed to be held. And that evening, the mayor uh, of Mithrir Tidville uh, launched an appeal for financial donations, soon formally named the Aberfan Disaster Fund to alleviate financial hardship and to help rebuild the area. Because there was, you know, not enough space in this little small town, a makeshift mortuary was set up in the village's Bethania Chapel, and it operated from October 21st when uh, the disaster occurred until November 4th. Um, members of the Glamorgan Constabulary Force assisted with the identification and registration of the victims. Two doctors examined the bodies and issued death certificates. Wow, only two doctors for that many dead people, that sucks. The cause of death was typically asphyxia, fractured skulls, or multiple crush injuries. Yeah. Uh, cramped conditions in the chapel meant that parents could only be admitted one at a time to identify the bodies of their children. Um, the building also acted as a missing persons bureau, and 400 embalmers volunteered to assist with the cleaning and dressing of the corpses. A contingent wow. that flew over from Northern Ireland removed the seats of their plane to transport child-sized coffins. And there was a sm smaller uh, Aberfan Calvinistic chapel nearby that was used as a second mortuary for about a week afterwards. So by the morning, the next morning, 11, 111 bodies had been recovered and 51 had been identified. So um, eventually the queen was like, well, I should probably go down there. So this was pretty big. Um, I don't think she had been queen very long. I don't know when she was uh, first elevated to the status of queen. But she and Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, visited the scene and talked to rescue workers. Um, <coughs> it started raining again, which sucks a lot of dick. And it further, uh, you know, threatened rescue work, raised the possibility that the area would have to be evacuated, all that good stuff. Finally, Robins arrived in Aberfan on Saturday evening. He gave a press conference and said um, that the uh, National Coal Board would work with any public inquiry into whatever had happened. And in an interview with the ob Observer, he said um, that the organization will not seek to hide behind any legal loopholes or make any legal quibble about responsibility. Oh, I doubt it. Oh, I doubt it! Um, he returned to the village the following morning. He saw the situation in the daylight, and he was interviewed by a television news team. Um, when asked about the responsibility of the National Call Board for the slide, he said, I wouldn't have thought myself that anybody would know that there was a spring deep in the heart of a mountain, any more than I can tell you that there is one under our feet where we are now. If you are asking me, did any of my people on the spot know that this, there was this spring water, then the answer is no. They couldn't possibly. It was impossible to know that there was a spring in the heart of this tip, which was turning the center of the mountain into sludge. That's not true. 
that's not true. It had been on the map since 1874, you big piece of shit. Yeah, what a fucking piece of shit. Ah, uh, I hate this man. I hate them. <laughs> Retweet. So they were gonna do a giant entry no. in, into it, and um, a coroner's inquest was opened on October the 24th to give the causes of death for 30 of the children located. One man lost his wife and uh, two sons. He called out when he heard their name named mentioned. Um, he said, uh, "No, sir." Oh wait, wait. Okay, yeah. So the. Yeah, one man who had lost his wife and two sons called out when he heard their names mentioned. He said, no, sir, buried alive by the National Coal Board. One woman shouted that the National Coal Board had killed our children. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, the first funerals for five of the children took place the following day, and then there was a mass funeral for 81 children and one woman that took place. 81 oh. children, holy shit. At Bryn Taft Cemetery in Aberfan. They were buried in a pair of 80-foot-long uh, trenches. Oh, my God. 10,000 people attended. It took a week until all of the bodies were recovered. The last victim was found on October 28th, exactly uh, a, a week afterwards. God. And the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh visited Aberfan on the 29th to pay the respect for those who had died. Um, on the 25th, uh, 19, October 25th, 1966, the Secretary of Wales formally was formally appointed a tribunal, or formally appointed a tribunal to inquire into the disaster. Mm. <coughs> um, so it took evidence in public for 76 days, spread over the next five months, and 136 witnesses testified. The, the report stated, much of the time of the tribunal could have been saved if the National Coal Board had not stubbornly resisted every attempt to lay the blame where it so clearly must rest, at their door. God damn. Um, the uh, Aberfam's MP, I'm not sure what that is. MP. Mega penis. Yeah, let's go with that. It's like Minister Prime? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, might be like their mayor. Uh, S.O. Davies gave evidence to the tribunal and stated that he had long held concerns that the tip might not only slide, but in sliding might reach the village. Uh, he'd added that he hadn't spoken out because he was had more than a shrewd suspicion that the colliery would be closed if it was found out that this was a concern of people. Yeah. Sorry. It's just, yeah. Profit is a disease. But, um, he eventually the tribunal agreed that we doubt that he fully understood the grave implication of what he was saying so they decided not to take his mm. evidence into account real quick it was members of, parliament. members of parliament i was just like i literally looked up and yeah. oh so it's British like parliament i put like, mp of wales <laughs> and i was like oh, oh. it's literally so it was like their representative <laughs> yeah senator. so mega i was when you said it i was like they literally talk about this all the time we're fucking <laughs> who's they I just heard the term often, and I still couldn't identify it. I I don't know. All I think of is like PM or the words "members of parliament." I try not, not to think. Yes. I try not to I think of British. Funny. I didn't expect God it to damn. go that far. Imagine the survivors' guilt, though. 
Because yeah. didn't that I mean, one woman, all, the nurse, every, didn't she survive? Those five kids that that one nurse saved? It wasn't a nurse, it was a, oh. like a lunch lady. Lunch lady. No, she lady. didn't. But the five kids behind her did. Oh, yeah, like I thought you said that they survived, or she survived and they did it. Oh, no, 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 no. she died. One teacher, oh, one teacher I tried think... to board them off with the blackboard and they the all died. Yeah, all gosh. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But that one saved the five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so that's nice. That's horrible. But awful. Yeah. But um, also, that's what she wanted. Yeah, but... Yeah, sure tragic. I'm sure she did not tragic. want it. I think, yeah, if she had a choice, it was she probably her... would have had all of them survive. But so the intention. Yeah. Most yes. of them were probably like instant death, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was real so fast. But still, it's just horrible. Uh, like, I mean, the, the thought the of it quantity. even being a few minutes long, of just suffering. Even a minute long. Girl, even thirty forever. seconds. I was like, any anything that's not instant. <laughs> because like, it's like being, it's literally being buried alive. That's yeah, literally being buried alive. Yeah. Imagine even seconds of being buried alive. No, thank you. Um, on April 28th, 1967, uh, the tribunal concluded its hearings and published its report on August the 3rd of that year. Their findings was that the blame for the disaster rests upon the National Coal Board. This blame is shared, though in varying degrees, among the National Coal Board headquarters, the Southwestern Divisional Board, and certain individuals. They added that the legal liability of the National Coal Board to pay compensation for the personal injuries fatal or otherwise, and damage to property is incontestable and uncontested. So, the inquiry team wrote that it was their strong and unanimous view that the Aberfan disaster could and should have been prevented. Prevented. The report which follows tells not of wickedness, but of ignorance, ineptitude, and a failure in communications. Just reading them to filth. Ignorance on the part of those charged at all levels with the sitting, control, and daily management of tips, bungling ineptitude on the part of those who had the duty of supervising and directing them, and failure on the part of those having knowledge of the factors which affect tip safety to communicate that knowledge and to see that it was applied. (coughs) So they made a bunch of recommendations for how they could safeguard and prevent these from happening in the future. Maybe don't be fucking idiots. It was, uh, they were, it was in 66 and they were 7 to 10, right? Yeah. Damn, that would be my dad's age. He was eight. Woof. Woof. And then I wouldn't be here. (laughs) So during this time, um, the shock and grief of the parents and villagers was exacerbated because the media was super insensitive towards them. Not the media. (laughs) One rescue worker recalled hearing a press photographer asking a child to cry for her dead friends because (gasps) it would make a good picture. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, yeah, there was a huge public donation for the memorial fund, and there were 50,000 letters of condolence, um, and that accompanied many of the donations, and that helped many residents come to terms with the disaster. Uh, one bereaved mother said, people all over the world felt for us. We knew that with their letters and the contributions that they sent, they helped us build a better Aberfan. So, in a study published by the British Journal of Psychiatry uh, in 2003, they found that half of the survivors of the disaster experienced PTSD at some point in their lives, and that they were three to more than three times uh, more likely to have developed lifelong PTSD than the comparison of a group of individuals who had experienced other kinds of life-threatening traumas. 
and that 34% of survivors who took part in the study reported that they still experienced bad dreams or difficulty sleeping because of intrusive thoughts about the disaster. Yeah. Especially with that noise thing they were describing earlier. Um, ooh, wow. In 2005, Imperial Tobacco uh, settled out of court to end an unfair dismissal suit brought against the company by an Aberfan survivor. Um, she had been employed at the company's Rizla cigarette paper factory near Pontypridd, and she had been fired because she refused to continue working night shift because she said it brought on flashbacks from 1966 wow. when she had been buried in waist-deep in the landslide while walking to school. Oh my god. She oh. had survived, but a friend who had been walking with her was killed. Oh my god. Oh my god. Mm, um, and they tried to take legal action against her for quitting because of that? Well, she took legal action against them. She was like, oh. she sued them for that. And they settled out of court for it. Um, but the British Journal of Psychiatry study found there was no significant rise in the risk of depression or substance abuse in survivors. Um, but some parents of deceased children reported extreme feelings of guilt. And some of the pupils who survived, one of them said, uh, there was none of the discipline we used to have. We didn't go out to play for a long time because those who'd lost their own children couldn't bear to see us. We all knew that, that what they were feeling, and we feel gu- felt guilty about being alive. Oh wow. my god! Um, a lot of residents experienced medical problems. Many reported sleeping difficulties, nervousness, lack of friends, unwillingness to go to school, and enuresis. Can you spell it? E N U R E S I S. I don't know if I can spell um, it. Um, it is involuntary urination. Aww. Oh, that's so sad. They would just start peeing because they were sad and scared. Like urine and urine. It's just that sucks. Um. Wow. At night. The year <sighs> after the tip slide, close relatives of the victims had a death rate seven times higher than the norm. Um. Yeah, by, uh, one local doctor later wrote, by every statistic, patients seen, prescriptions written, deaths, I can prove that this is a village of excessive sickness. <coughs> but despite these problems, uh, during the five years after the disaster, the birth rate rose considerably, which is sad, I guess, because it's just like... Replacing what they lost. Yeah, they want more babies. So, um... There were nearly 88,000 contributions to the fund, the Aberfan Memorial Fund, or Relief Fund, I can't remember what it's called. It was about uh, 1,600,000, uh, okay, 1.75 million pounds was the final total about raised. And there were no specific aims for what the fund should be used for. Eventually, they came up with these two purposes for the fund. For the relief of all persons who have suffered as a result of the said disaster and are thereby in need, and for the subject as aforesaid of any charitable purpose for the benefit of persons who are inhabitants of Aberfan and its immediate neighborhood, hereinafter called the area of benefit, on the 21st day of October 1966, or, or now are or hereafter become inhabitants of the area of benefit and in particular without prejudice to the generality of the last foregoing trust for any charitable purpose for the benefit of the children who were on the 21st day of October 1966 or who now are or hereafter may be become resident in the area of benefit. Uh, means of 
low nothing for me. But so basically, things to help the Aberman area or the children in the area or, you know, all of that. <coughs> Damn. Um, but in 1967, the Charity Commission advised that any money paid to the parents of the, fam of the children would be against the terms of the trust deed. So, um... <laughs> Um, they agreed that there was an unprecedented emotional state surrounding Aberfan, Aberfan and suggested that sums of no more than 500 pounds should be paid to each parent. No more mm -hmm. than 500 pounds for the loss of their children. Mm -hmm. Members of the trust told the commission that 5,000 pounds was to be paid to each family, and they agreed that this amount was permissible, but stated that each case should be examined before payment. To ascertain whether the children had been the parents had been close to their children what? and oh were thus God. likely to be suffering mentally. <gasps> oh, uh, what the fuck? Why are people so stingy about money? God. Yeah. <sighs> like, like this was a preventable accident. Yeah. And they're like, mm, but do you actually miss your dead kid? Yeah, you only saw them in the mornings and the afternoons, so you couldn't have liked them that oh much. Oh my God. Fucking. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I'm not I'm shocked. Not, yeah, I'm not shocked so either. Like, it's not surprising, but it's disgusting. Also, I'm not a big fan of kids, but, like, I would... Yeah, I, what? Uh, dead children. <laughs> oh, my God. Dead children. Dying children. Makes me sad. Yeah. Dying anyone makes me sad. Yeah. I guess it is... There is something to say about dying children is because... Because they so haven't they lived any, any lives. Yeah. 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 They're, they're ah. still developing. Yes, it, it is. Um, not sadder. Yeah, so the commission threatened to remove trustees of the disaster fund or make a financial order against them if they made grants to parents of children who were physically uninjured but who suffered mentally. Some surviving children complained of being afraid of the dark and loud noises, while some refused to sleep alone. Uh, but then they were informed that, or the commission, inf I'm sorry, the commission informed them that any payments would be quite illegal. To those people who, while their children weren't injured, they were still suffering from PTSD. This decision affected 340 physically uninjured children. So that's a lot of kids with a lot of mental issues. Um, but they made some uh, grants out to people who lost their houses or who had really significant property damage. And the trust donated 100 pounds to assist with evacuation and additional funds to help replace damage effects. There was a hundred thousand pounds that was set aside for the future needs of the eight children who were physically injured in the disaster but still uh, lived, and five thousand pounds was placed in trust for them when they came of age. They uh, built a community center in the village and a memorial garden, and it was opened by the Queen in March 1973. This garden is on the site of Pantglass, Pantglass, Pantglass Junior School and includes stone walls to show where the classrooms stood. Yeah, so fuck the coal board, fuck the charity commission, my god. So, and this one happened in 2010, and it's Whoa. the uh, Kofiopolo mining accident, also known as the Chilean mining accident. It began on Thursday, August 5th, 2010, and there was a cave-in at the San Jose Copper Gold Mine, located in the Atacama Desert, 28 miles north of the regional capital of Piapo in northern Chile. <sighs> 33 men were trapped uh, 2,300 feet underground from the mine's entrance. Holy shit. 
shit. And That's were, so many feet underground. They were rescued after 69 days. 69 days. Oh my god, is, is there a movie nice. about this? Yeah, it's called The 33. Is, is it the one with Antonio Banderas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in it. Um, I never saw it, but I remember seeing trailers for it. Uh, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, wow. I, it... 2010. Tragic. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, like, it's it's still tragic. These are grown-ass men, and I'm like... I mean, any yeah. accidental Helpless. or preventable death can right. be considered tragic. There's just something that's a bit more painful about children. Yes, I, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Because uh, so after the state-owned mining company Codlico maybe uh, they took over rescue efforts from the mine's owners uh, exploratory boreholes were drilled and then seven days after the accident a note was found taped to a drill bill pulled back to the surface so they weren't even sure if they were still alive then it said estamos bien en el refugio los treinta y tres so we are all, we are well in the shelter, the thirty three of us. Oh, the thirty three. Yeah. Fuck. So this is a really so interesting thing because three separate dr- drilling rig teams, nearly every Chilean government ministry, the NASA, and a dozen corporations from around the world all cooperated to get these men out of there. Oh, wow. Um, sixty nine days afterwards, on the thirteenth of October, the men were winced to the surface one at a time. Ow! She fucking grabbed onto my big toe. Oh, I hate her. Oh. Who was it? It was Aria's fist. Yes, she pulled her tail, so she took it my toe. I'm sorry. I it's always okay. a jump scare. That's, that's I'm sorry. I'm I didn't. I, I obviously did not intend that. I know. I know. I didn't expect her to do that either. Okay. <laughs> Beginning of the episode, trigger warning, jump scare. Yeah, I, was, I was hitting Lilo with paper towel, <laughs> and she shredded the fuck out of them. I just could do it. It was ridiculous. Wait, Lilo? Yeah, Lilo. Yeah. I couldn't. Oh my god. <coughs> anyway, that, that was, was a good hour. Aria, the oh. fucking monster of this household. My abs are sore now. <laughs> uh, sorry. What? <laughs> it's okay. Um, I feel responsible. out one at a time um, in a specially built capsule and an estimated 5.3 million people watched dur- during like a live feed of this. Oh god. Did they all live? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh. With a few exceptions they were all in good medical condition with no long term physical effects anticipated. Wow. <laughs> 69 days. Yeah. That's like three months. Yeah. So following three what years of sunlight. It's like a little over two right? What? I mean, 30 days in a month. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah a little over two. 69. 30 days. and 30 and 9. 339. Three, three. Three, 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 nine. Nine. It's uh, 69. Oh, my God. You're right. I'm like, there's a nine. <laughs> 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 I was like, I said, no, I really three, three. <laughs> what do you mean? Because for a second, I was like, but that mean? long? <laughs> that long without sunlight sounds mm-hmm. like the effects of no I sunlight? How? Yeah. How? So, previous geological instability at the old mine and a long record of safety violations for the man's, uh, mine's owner, San Esteban Mining Company, 
had resulted in a series of fines and accidents, including eight deaths during the dozen years leading up to the accident. Uh, Following three years of work lawsuits and investigations into the collapse concluded in August 2013, there were no charges filed against the company. What? Which is not surprising, honestly. Um, (sighs) So Chile has long been one of the world's top producers of copper. And an average of 34 people per year since 2000 have died in mining accidents in Chile, oh with God. a high of 43 Jesus <coughs> in 2008. Um, yeah, so the company, the San Esteban Mining Company, was notorious for operating unsafe mines, and eight workers died uh, at the site in the past 12 years before the accident. They had been fined 42 times between 2004 and and 2010 for uh, breaking uh, safety regulations. Wow. And the mine was briefly shut down in 2007 when relatives of a miner that was killed in an accident sued the company, but the mine reopened again in 2008. Um, Due to budget constraints, there were only three inspectors for the entire Atacama region's mines, 884 of them, there were only three inspectors. So prior to that incident, the mining company had ignored warnings over unsafe working conditions in the mines, and they did not listen to the voices of the workers when they said that there was a danger or a risk. And um, Javier Castillo, the secretary of the trade union that represents the miners, said, nobody listens to us. They say, then they say we're right. If they had believed the workers, we would not be lamenting this now. Oh, I'm sorry. The person who said that was Gerardo Nunez. Uh, yeah, sorry. There were two quotes right next to each other. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, the reason that they still would work at these places is because they didn't have a lot what? of options for jobs. Yeah, yeah also, it was their job. But also because they are some of the highest paid miners in South America. Right. So they were like, well, it, it's really dangerous, but I'm getting a lot more money than I would be mining right. anywhere else. I mean, it seems like this company getting paid. I was going to say, no. I mean, it, it fucking be like that. Yeah, companies suck. You're like, I can suffer. They're like, what's the what's the least right amount of money? What's the least we can do? You literally sell your peace of mind, like, for real. (laughs) And it has a price. I'm like, yeah, wages at this mine. But it's because I have to. Yeah, yeah, wages at this particular mine were twenty percent higher than the other Chilean mines in the area. Twenty. Yeah, because of how bad the safety record was. Oh my god! What? Did they not just make a... What? Oh, right, oh whatever. Oh my god, they were just like, you might extra die. It's but not even just die. unsafe, but here's another dollar. Oh my god, it's so horrible. That is awful. Um, what? They literally could have just made it safer. No, not the they, answer. They either. literally just could have made it safer. No, the twenty percent money, more money. But they are. Them is more, it? Apparently, apparently. Yeah, I, maybe they're just pieces of shit. But I'm maybe, maybe they're pieces of shit. They're, maybe they're, at I don't least know if they're pieces like, of shit. I don't know. They're That's evil insane. and like they're yeah, fucking fuck living God. holes. Unions are the best thing that has ever happened to miners. I'm writing an article on coal mining in West Virginia, and it's also West Virginia. I knew you were gonna do it, bitch. I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Also known as Virginia. Mm. And to Virginia. my west. What? And to my west. Oh yeah. You're my West Virginia. West right Virginia. Now. Anyways. <laughs> the collapse occurred on August fifth, two thousand ten. <clears throat> A group 
that was closer to the entrance ended up escaping, but a second group of 33 men were ended up trapped deep inside. A thick cloud of dust caused by the rockfall blinded the miners for as much as six hours. Wow. Oh my God. It, um, at the beginning, the miners tried to escape through the ventilation shafts, but uh -huh. the ladders required by safety codes were missing. Uh, so okay. No All right. Holy so, shit. Oh, right. God. That's so bad. That's horrible. So, Luis Urzua, who would become that's a like major the, that's player. That's like the Titanic not having enough safety boats. Yeah. Girl, that's like my phone. My job not look having aesthetically pleasing. So yeah. yeah no, imagine if you worked at a, at a fire factory and there were no fire extinguishers. Real. Like <laughs> a factory that made fire and then you didn't have any fire extinguishers in case the fire. Yeah, why would there be no a fire ladders? Factory? That's in, in a match factory. Mine. No fire extinguishers. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Was Lighter it totally? Definitely makes more sense. A fire, fire factory. factory. <laughs> where they make fire. <laughs> Testing like site. It's pretty cute. Um, so when they were underground, were they in total darkness the whole time, or was it yeah. just those they six hours? Mole people. But for sixty-nine days. Yeah, I am not also, entirely sure. food. Yeah. Water. We'll be getting. Sorry. No, yeah, no, 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 like, so no, no. Two months. Yeah. We're on the edge of our seat. <laughs> yeah, so Luis Orzua, who was the duty ship's ship supervisor, <laughs> would duty. become, like, the unofficial leader of these people, basically. Right. He gathered his men in a room he called, God. or they called, Could a refuge. Could not be me. And organized them and the resources that they had. And then they sent out teams to assess the damage in the vicinity. Because right. it's not like the whole sh mine collapsed. There was just a part that blocked them from being able to get back up. Right. right. Just the part that mattered. Yeah. Yeah. So rescuers <laughs> attempted to bypass the rockfall at the main entryway through alternative passageways, but they found each route blocked by fallen rock or threatened by ongoing rock movement. There was a second collapse on August 7th, and rescuers were forced to use heavy machinery while trying to gain access via a ventilation shaft. They were also worried that additional attempts to pursue this route would cause further geological movement, mm. and they did not want to, um, you know, end up crushing these men. And so they decided that they were going to try other methods to do that. Mm. Wow. Um, so... I don't know why this reminds this me of that episode of BoJack Horseman, where their house fucking collapses underground because Mr. Peanut Butter allows the government to frack under his house. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And then they just go into total chaos. Carry on. Yes. Oh, God. Um, oh. This accident had <laughs> happened pretty soon after the government had been really criticized for the mishandling of the Chilean earthquake and tsunami. So Chile's president, Sebastián Piñera, uh, cut short his official trip wherever he was and returned to Chile in order to visit the mine because he was like, I'm not fucking this one up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to oversee this. Um, so they decided to do some exploratory boreholes about 6.3 exploratory boreholes yeah so they were, just, like, they were just trying to find where they were because they didn't know exactly um, where they were so they're just like uh, it's like battleship are you here are you here are you here yeah. are you here it's yeah. a big mine yeah um, 
So, I, <laughs> are you good? <laughs> I just thought you throw some. Oh my god. Okay, wait. You have. Okay, no, keep going. You have to do the other two stories. Yeah, I'll do the just do them real fast. Two I'll just do them really fast and just say like the bare minimum of them. <laughs> okay. Um, so, on August 19th, one of the probes reached the surface where the miners were believed to have been trapped, but there were no signs of life they could see, so they were like, where the fuck are they? How many- it's just funny to think about, like, fi- finding 33 grown men, and just not knowing where they are. Yeah. Um, on August- Where could they possibly have gone? I know, where did like- these 33 grown men <laughs> vanish together? Seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on August nope, 22nd- yeah. <laughs> and the rocks. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like fucking battleship. Yeah. Is it here? Is 33 it here? Is it here? Yeah, you literally have to get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so so the eighth I would be terrified broke in through. an underground bunker with 33 garments. <sighs> yeah, that sucks so bad. Oh man, it must have smelled real bad in there. Oh. Um, so on August 28th, oh, sure. the eighth borehole they broke through at a depth of 2,257 feet. At a ramp near the shelter where the uh, miners had taken refuge, and for days, the miners had heard the drills getting close to them, because they could hear them coming through the earth. And oh they were prepared, uh, they had notes. They all were, they, like, a bunch of them had notes, and they were waiting to see where it was going to come out, and attach it to the drill to let them know that they were still there. Um, they wow. also tapped on the drill before it was withdrawn, because these taps could be heard on the surface. Huh. So they were, like, tapping to oh. make, sh- make sure. True. Um, Weird. So Imagine when that, that's the smart. Trapped down there, no, we would die. We would die. Yeah. Yeah. We would I would die. kill myself. Yeah. And then, yeah, I would kill myself because there wouldn't be no easy way. I'd probably do. I'd probably botch it and then die even slower. So I'd be like, "Fuck, I'm in this." Yeah. Also, uh, at the end of the drill was that note when they withdrew it. The estamos bien en el refugio los treinta y tres, which is all thirty three of us are fine in the shelter, basically. And these words became the motto of the miners' survival and the rescue effort, and it appeared on websites, banners, and TVs. Um, hours later, they sent video cameras into the borehole, and they had some grainy black and white images of the miners. <laughs> the trapped miners' emergency shelter only had an area of about 540 square feet, or 40, uh, 50 square meters, and there were two long benches, that was it, for, to sit upon. Ventilations problems had led them to move out into a tunnel, and they also had access to 1.2 miles of open tunnels in which they could move around and get some exercise or privacy, so they at least were able to do that. Um, Food supplies were severely limited. Stop, I know this is incredibly inappropriate. Oh. You think they fucked each other? No. (laughs) You think they can't? You know what, bitch? Yes, I do now. I was just like, you think they... Oh, absolutely. Or oh is my it just god. Like a, I don't know. I feel like, like they would be way too stressed exactly. out. Exactly. Or tired. Exactly. Or just tired. And like, They're like, I can't, man. Right? Oh, and that's not like, a priority. Yeah. yeah. In any sense. Not dying is a priority. That's fair. Yeah. And like, that also would exert their energy. Right. But it's just like, I don't know. Like, if they have limited food and water and right. air. Yeah. I feel like if I was in a very stressful up. situation, I'd like wake up, cry, masturbate, and then go to sleep. And then I just keep doing that until we In front rescued. of 32 other men? Okay, I other don't have men. a dick, so yeah, I can masturbate in front of a room of people without getting noticed. Yeah, but I feel like if you were in this situation, you wouldn't have a dick. That's fair. Okay, so <laughs> if, <laughs> more, if the four know, of us yeah, were down it there, it doesn't make just any sense. Oh, masturbate. if the four of us were down here, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd be like, hey, I'm gonna go to the 
other cave hole and it's like, be I'm gonna go in this other go cry. We would have See you in spots. For See you for dinner, probably. I don't know the time. <laughs> See you whenever we're all hungry. Yeah. So at this time, food supplies were obviously severely limited, and by the time they were discovered, each man had lost about 18 pounds. Holy. Wow, that oh makes sense. Oh my god, that's fucking horrible. That's a lot of weight in a very it's short a amount of time. Yeah, they had emergency supplies in the shelter. It was only intended to last two or three days, but they <gasps> managed to make it last for two weeks. That's oh amazing. They had run out only just before they were discovered. So it just ended up working out, like, perfectly. Wait. Wow. Two weeks? It took two weeks to find them, mm-hmm. locate them underground. Yeah. And in that two weeks, they perfectly rationed out. That's oh, insane. and then they just gave them food. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, after okay, that, okay. yeah, they were I able like, to get food down to the mountain. And then they started cutting off limbs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, confused. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> and horrible. I mean, That's amazing. It's amazing. It's impressive. Yes. It is. So, um, after leaving the hospital, one of the miners, Mario Sepulveda, said, all 33 trapped miners practicing a one-man, one-vote democracy work together to maintain the mine, look for escape routes, and keep up morale. We knew that if society broke down, we would all be doomed. Each day, a different person took a bad turn. Every time that happened, we worked as a team to try and keep the morale up. He also said that some of the older miners helped to support the younger men, but they have all taken an oath of silence not to reveal certain details of what happened, particularly during the early weeks of desperation. So some of the young I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Some of the younger guys probably, like... Some of the older men had been working in the mines for a lot longer, so they were used to being down there. Right. And so it was probably a little easier for them because they were used to it after so many years. One guy had only been working there for five months, and he was only 19. Oh, oh my god. Oh, baby. Oh, my god. For, literally for... Oh, my god. Yeah. So <laughs> he was probably freaking the fuck out. Some of the older guys were like, hey, listen, I've been doing this for, like, 30 years. But the That's psychological okay. break, Was the stuff they're not mentioning, like, them Jeez. crying? Yeah. Crying. I'm sure they, like, probably That's yeah. completely, like, it's going That makes sense. It just sounds fishy when they're, like, things in it. Yeah. 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 I'm like, yo, No, the first thing I think of is fucking cannibalism. Like, someone tried to kill someone. You know? That's what it is. They just don't want to be seen as, like, It's just, oh, my God, Oh, yeah. I can't. So, shortly after the discovery, uh, 28 of the 33 miners appeared in a 40-minute video recording using a mini-camera delivered by the government via palomas, or dubs, referring to their role as carrier pigeons, which is kind of cute, with five-foot blue plastic capsules. Uh, It showed most of the men in good spirits, reasonably healthy, although they'd all lost some weight. Most of them were bare-chested and bearded, and they also had a shit ton of sweat on them because it was super humid and super hot that deep in the mine. Oh, my God. Several of the miners looked very thin, and some were camera-shy. They didn't want to be appear on camera. The what? host, Sepulveda, who would later be known as Super Mario, because his name was Mario, he appeared as the basically the media spokesperson for the miners. So while Luis was, like, the, the kind of the in, you know, unofficial leader down there, Mario was their face to the outside world. Um, and that was Antonio Banderas. He avoided specific terms about the health of the men and used vague the vague term complicated to refer to the situation. Um, he did work to maintain an upbeat attitude and ins- insistent that things were looking brighter for the Chapman. And it's generally a pretty positive light video, despite how fucking horrifying the whole situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis... Uh, Uzura, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, U, yeah, Uzura uh, said, 
It's been a bit of a long shift. <laughs> I, oh my god! Imagine if they got paid for that whole time. They should. Uh, yeah, and, then and then yeah, I know. At least, at least. Could you imagine? No. God, the trauma of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he was the foreman, and he was a man whose level-headedness and gentle humor is credited with helping keep the miners under his charge focused on survival during their nearly 70-day underground ordeal. Um, he glossed over the hunger and despair he and his men felt, saying, We're fine. We're waiting for you to rescue us. Wow. Um, he said that they all had a common goal. You just have to speak the truth and believe in democracy. Everything was voted on. We were 33 men, so 16 plus 1 was the majority. Again, they started taking people out, so some of the uh, most important... And uh, now I'm going to mention some of the most important men in the thing. I mean, everybody was really I important. I think they're all important. Fucking <laughs> 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 Victoria Justice. So, Luis Urzura was 54. He was the ship foreman, and he was immediately recognized the gra- he immediately recognized the gravity of the situation, and the difficulty of any escape attempt. He gathered the men in a secure refuge, then organized them and their meager resources to cope with a long-term survival situation. Just after the incident, he led three men to scout the tunnel. After confirming the situation, he made detailed maps of the area to aid the rescue effort. He directed the underground aspects of the rescue operation and coordinated closely with engineers on the surface over the teleconference links. Florencio Avolos, 31, was the second in command of the group and assisted in organizing the men. Because of his experience, physical fitness, and emotional stability, he was selected as the first miner to ride the rescue capsule to the surface in case of complications during the 15 minutes ascent in the crab shaft. So it took him 15 minutes in the... Yeah, everybody. He was naturally shy, and so he ended up serving as the camera operator for videos. And he was trapped along with his younger brother, Renan. Yoni Barrios, 50, was the medic of the trap miners due to his six months of training that he took to care for his elderly mother. Uh, he served the group by monitoring their health and providing detailed medical reports to the team of doctors on the surface. Mm. His fellow miners jokingly referred to him as Dr. House. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like the lightheartedness of these men mm-hmm. being yeah. trapped for in yeah. the earth for sixty nine fucking days. Yeah. Oh my god, it's uh, too much almost. Yes, we know Oscar sixty nine. <laughs> uh, Mario Gomez sixty three was the eldest miner, and he became the religious leader of the group and organized a chapel thinking, with a shrine. Yeah. I was thinking that I was like, I wonder if they like pray together yeah. or something. Probably uh, yeah. constantly. Yeah, because it's what else? Also, yes. I mean, in that, in that situation, like that's what a lot of people refer to. So, yeah, for comfort, for I mean, all, like, like what can you do? I imagine it would be even harder if you didn't have any kind of belief system, right? Like, oh, but I feel like this is any yes. Wow, that like good. that's also how I know I would survive. Yeah. Um, Jose Henriquez was 54. He was a preacher oh, yeah. and a miner for 33 years, and he served as the miners' pastor and organized the daily prayers. Mario Sepulveda, uh, 40, as mentioned before, served as the energetic host of the miners' video journals that were sent to the surface to reassure the world that they were doing well. The local media dubbed him Super Mario after the Super Mario's Bros Bros game. Oh, wow, really? I didn't know that. Energy, wit, and humor. (laughs) I thought Mario was an Italian-American. Yeah, but his name is Mario, so it's just No, yeah, 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 you know. Um, Ariel 
Kona, 29, served as the group's communication specialist, installing and maintaining the underground portion of the telephone and video conferencing systems sent down by the surface. So on August 23rd, the first voice contact was made with the miners, and they, the doctors provided them with a 5% glucose solution and a drug to prevent stomach ulcers caused by food deprivation. That's good. Material was sent down, and it took an hour to reach the miners. Delivery of solid food began a few days later. Relatives were permitted to write letters, but were asked to keep them optimistic. Um... Out of concern for their morale, the rescuers were pretty reluctant to tell the miners that in the worst-case scenario, the rescue might take months, uh, with the eventual extraction date close to Christmas. Uh, that um, is valid to not want to say that, but also it would be so fuck? much worse to be like, when is this going to end? Yeah, yes. so on Every the 25th day. of August, they were fully briefed on the situation and how complex everything was going to be. The mining minister later reported that the men took the pretty negative news pretty well, actually. uh there's so, the strength yeah. that went into all of this working out the way it did is just so admirable. What the fuck? Yeah. The willingness to live, the coordination, the like discussion yeah. of emotional stability amongst like everything. Oh my god. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not turning old. not turning on each other. They, especially. they did the best they could. Yeah. And they, and they did very well. Yeah. yeah. For doing the best that they could. Every one of them survived. Every one of them survived. I want to watch the movie. Two months? (laughs) It's not going to be good. Watch. I know, but I want to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'm interested in it now. Um, The miners, uh, the psychologists and doctors tried to work along the rescue teams to keep the miners busy and mentally focused. Um, he, the psychologists believed that the miners should have a role in their own destiny as, as it was important to maintain motivation and optimism. They did their best to maintain physical hygiene throughout the ordeal. I want to throw it at would send water down for she them. She said, meow. Did you hear that? Send water down for them so they would probably just go to a place in the mine. I mean, uh-huh. they had about a mile of mine shafts to be able to go through. Nice. Um, shaft. Yeah. A mile of shaft? Wow. So, mile long shaft. Just the tip. Oh, just the tip. <laughs> I don't feel bad about that one after that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a lot of censorship of the letters to and from the miners' relatives, and they yeah. monitored the activities I they mean, could undertake. And oh. so they were, they felt like they had suddenly been turned back into babies underground because they were yeah, not allowed like, to do you're anything. Gonna, you might That's fucking so die. I do not want you to filter the communication between me and my loved ones. I don't care. I, yeah. I don't. Give but a just, fuck about I'm that. I it's just, it's just so sensitive, though, because then if there's, like, fucking outrage exactly. on the surface, it'll make it the distraction harder. Like, the yeah, morale yeah. and all that, but it's just, like, I don't, you literally might die. I, I guess you just have to weigh it. Uh, and I just wouldn't want to be lied to. I don't know. It's just so, it's just too much. It's too fucking much. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot, I feel like if I'm gonna not die all now, of I don't the men. To talk for real with the people I love. Like, for 69 days. Yeah. We'd have to do the cup phone thing. <laughs> uh, most of them, if not all of them, were Roman Catholic, and so they yeah. asked for religious Check items, out. including Bibles, crucifixes, rosaries, and statues of the Virgin Mary and other yeah. saints to be Body sent down. Body of Christ. <coughs> Pope yeah, Benedict the... What is that? 15th or 16th? Uh, What's I'm that? X- it's XVI? Whatever is that? 16th? XVI? Yeah. 14? Uh, 16? 16? 16? 
I literally did a bunch of random Googling on Louis the Sixteenth last night. That's sixteen. Cool. Uh, he sent them each a rosary, and these were brought to the mine by the Archbishop of Santiago in person, which is pretty fucking hardcore for a Catholic. Wait, they they did what? One more time? The Pope sent them each one personally, and the Archbishop Bishop Bishop. from Santiago delivered them in person, which is pretty hardcore. That's pretty hardcore. Imagine he, like, went into He's like, um, <laughs> after three weeks in the mine, one man who had been civilly married to his wife uh, 25 years earlier asked her to enter into a sacra- sacramental marriage. Aww. So that means, like, actually go to a church and get married as opposed Aww. to, like, uh, so instead of, like, a civil union. So, That's like, they were basically this is a much a better, this is much, a su- much more better worse story. Yeah. 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 They set up a makeshift chapel in the mine, and yeah. Mario Gomez, the eldest miner, oh led daily prayers. So nice. Mario Sepulveda would say, I was with God and with the devil, and God took me. Um, Monica, Monica Araya, the wife of the first man rescued, Florencio Avalos, noted, We are really religious, both my husband and I, so God was always present. It is a miracle. This rescue was so difficult. It's a grand miracle. Wow. <laughs> a lot, so a lot of people were just like, yeah, this is a fucking miracle. Um, when... Minor Esteban Rojas stepped out of the rescue capsule. He immediately knelt on the ground with his hands together in prayer, then raised his arms above him in adoration. His wife then wrapped a tapestry bearing the image of the Virgin Mary around him as they cried and hugged. So they, the families of the trapped miners set up a tent city near where they were trapped so that they could always have, like, the closest and the earliest information. It was in, in Campamento Esperanza, or Camp Hope. I'm um, gonna kill myself. Holy at shit. first, yeah. This is incredible. It's awful, but it's nice. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's beautiful incredible. story, yeah. honestly. I mean, if you don't, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But yeah, you know what it I mean. should not have happened in the first place. But wow. yeah, it makes you feel like Everyone, man could. It's just one of the few. Good. Yeah, it's one of the few times where it works out. It's just know? like really yeah. unfortunate faith and humanity yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So at first, oh my god, can you imagine? I can't. Sorry. Go ahead. I literally could not even fathom what that would be like. At first, they would just sleep in their cars and wait and pray until there was word on what would happen, but as the days turned into weeks, friends brought them tents and other camping supplies so that they could have shelter, because it's in the Atacama Desert. It's it's really harsh there. Um, More family and friends ended up coming, and also rescue and construction workers, members of the media. Um... And they said, we're go- not going to abandon this camp until we go out with the last miner left. Um, there are 33 of them, and one of them is my brother, said Maria Segovia. Wow. Um, many members prayed for them almost constantly, and they erected memorials to the trap men and lit candles and prayed. Um, so there was actually 32 Chilean men and one Bolivian man, and so they <laughs> placed uh, 32 Chilean flags and one Bolivian flag oh. to represent the men. Uh, there were small shrines that were erected at the foot of each flag and amongst the tents, and they placed pictures of the miners, religious icons, and statues of the Virgin Mary and patron saint. I think it's really admirable that the sister said that there's 32 men down there and my brother. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just my brother's down there and get him out. Oh yeah, no, they're, That's they're like, it's incredible. Beautiful. Community! They set up a kitchen, canteen area, uh, sanitary facility, security, mm-hmm. um, bulletin boards, spread it up, shuttle bus bus stops wow. um over time a schoolhouse and children's play zones were built wow. and 
and uh, volunteers work to help feed the families. Clowns entertain the children. In two months. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. That's an incredible community. That's amazing. Uh, it eventually basically wow. grew into a small city. Um, so, but the uh, managing director... I'd be a clown. I understand the movie. I am a clown. Yeah. I am a clown. I understand yeah. that there's a movie about it. Because that's insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that. I was like, yeah, we already established there was a movie And the woman who (laughs) said that Maria Segovia would eventually become known as uh, La Alcaldesa, the mayoress, because she was uh, known for her organizational skills and outspokenness. So she was the elder sister of Dario Segovia. The director of Murray and Roberts Cementation, which was one of the companies that helped, said, the mine is old and there's concern of further collapses. The rescue methodology, therefore, has to be carefully designed and implemented. So they came up with three different drilling plans to do this. Plan A used an Australian-built Strata 950 model raised borer type no, drilling rig. Australian, it was better down under. Mm-hmm. It weighed oh. 31 sh- or short tons or 28 tons. Um, short tons. Australians did. Is that? Um, yeah, the plan B team ended up being the first to reach the trap miners with an escape shaft. Wow. It was created uh, by a Chilean-American joint venture drilling company, Geotech SA. Um, Geotech. Normally, it, it, so it decided that it would just make the boreholes that would provide the palomas to them mm-hmm. bigger, eventually, until they could make a capsule big enough to get people out through it. Uh-huh. <coughs> Um, so they had to drill for 33 days wow. in order to do it, and um, uh, the percussion technology hammer drill of this particular drill can uh, drill more than 130 feet a day by using four hammers instead of one. Wow. Um, wow. It was a difficult hole, they said. Uh, it's curved and deep. The hard rock has proven to be abrasive and worn out the steel of the drill, so they just have to keep replacing the j- drill bits. Plan C was a Canadian-made oil drilling oil drilling rig. It was added on September nineteenth. It was normally used for gas and oil. Um, and September nineteenth is one of my best friend's birthdays. It's my mom's birthday. It ended what? up. My mom's your best friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. No, yeah, that's Kat's birthday. Yeah, it's Kat's birthday. And my mom's. Yeah, that's probably why you remember it's Kat's birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm this one was kind of sad because everyone was like super expecting this one to like really work because it was so huge, but it ended up um, lagging behind the other attempts to do it, so it didn't. It was Plan B that ended up getting helpful. <coughs> so um, this company, Fenix uh, Rescue Capsules, were uh, decided to be made for rescue. That's a bad way to say that. Anyways, you get what I mean. They made the Phoenix for rescue? Yeah, so they were steel rescue capsules dubbed Phoenix, which means Phoenix. And they were constructed by the Chilean Navy and with design input from NASA. Um, The eventual capsule that was used to rescue them was the Phoenix 2, and it was 21 meters in diameter, narrow enough to avoid hitting the sides of the tunnel. It also had retractable wheels to allow for a smoother ride to the surface, and oxygen supply, lighting, video, and voice communications, 
a reinforced roof to protect against rock falls, an escape hatch with a safety device to allow the passenger to lower himself back down if the capsule became stuck. Which is actually really cool. Um, so, uh, they took them fucking forever to get this done, and, um, eventually they decided that they were going to have the miners who were, um, the first four men should be the those who were deemed the fittest of body and mind, just in case they got stuck in there. They needed to be able to not, like, have a panic attack and, like, hurt themselves or anything like right. that. Once those four, man surf four men surfaced, they decided that after that they were going to go in order of physical health after that. Um, and so with the least healthy brought up from the mine first... And so six hours before the rescue, each miner switched to a liquid diet rich in sugars, minerals, and potassium. And each took aspirin to avert blood costs and wore a girdle to stabilize blood pressure. Oh they, they had moisture-resistant coveralls and sunglasses to protect against the sudden exposure to sunlight. Yes. Um, there were oxygen masks. This is so good! Yeah. Uh, after an alertness check, a miner would be taken by a stretcher to a field hospital for initial uh, evaluation, although none needed immediate treatment, so they were all relatively fine. Wow. And they were taken to a hospital 37 miles away for one to two days of observation. Um, so, the original plan was to, uh, called for two rescue workers to descend into the mine before bringing the first miner to the surface. Um, however, to avoid delay, the rescuers decided to bring a miner to the surface in the returning capsule that had taken Gonzalez, the first uh, uh, rescue worker, down. And an empty trial one had taken place the previous day, with the capsule stopping just 49 feet before the end of the shaft. Um, the last person to ascend was Luis Urza, Urzua. Um, he stayed at the end. Um, it took about 15 minutes, or a total time of 33 hours, for the whole rescue uh, uh, operation. Mm. Um, after stepping free from the rescuers and greeting his son, Urzua embraced Pineda, saying, I delivered to you this shift of workers as I agreed I would. Uh, the president replied, I gladly received your shift because you completed your duty, leaving last like a good captain. Pinera went on to say, you are not the same after this, and Chile won't be the same either. Damn. Jesus fucking Christ! It's so noble. This is so hard. They, the rescuers uh, in the mine chamber displayed a banner reading, Mission Cumplida Chile, or Mission Accomplished Chile. Uh, Manuel Gonzalez was the first rescuer down and the last one up, spending a total of 25 hours and 14 minutes in the mine. Wow. Um... The rescuers who needed to sleep did so in the mine to avoid tying up the capsule and the rescue to, uh, it, they didn't want to delay. They were like, oh, I'm not going to ask them to bring me back up just so I can sleep. I'll sleep down here in the mine. Yeah. Mm. So they were divided into three groups, the skilled, the weak, and the strong. And the grouping was based on the theory that the first men to exit <laughs> should be more skilled and in the best physical condition as they would be better equipped to escape unaided in an event that the capsule man functioned or the ship shaft collapsed. My God. Right. Um, the second group included miners with medical problems, older men, and those with psychological issues. The final group comprised the mentally tough, as they would be able to endure the anxiety of the weight. And in the words of the minister Manjalic, 
They don't care to stay another 24 hours inside of a mine. All but two of the men went home within two two days of their rescue. Wow. And by October 19th, all had left the hospital. The doctors felt that they had coped unexpectedly well physically, and Piñera even challenged the men to a friendly football game and invited them to visit the presidential palace into the opening of the Transcontinental Highway. Wow. Girl. Wow. Uh, yeah. Damn. Uh, I wonder how they, uh, they coped with, uh... Well, I mean, I guess after a while they did have communication with the outside, but mm-hmm. there was this whole experiment in France where 15 people went into a cave for 40 days uh, to see how they would cope with no sense of time, sunlight, or external communication. Yeah. Um, and they came out, like, fine. They were like, the days seemed to go longer. They just functioned on a basis of needing to eat and needing to sleep. Yeah. So that was but weird. That's I feel like there was a severe lack of munchies. They were like, well, but it's just that they were like, okay, we're we're here for each other. If you need to vent, like we're yeah. we don't know how long we're gonna be, well, true, this, but, but so we need to. They were all men, though. You know, that's what I'm saying. And normally, men around other men are like, I can. Well, I mean, but I'm saying by like, the coping, no by coping incredibly board, well, though, yeah. I feel like that could have just I been a know. lot of like not letting out how bad it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? To seem like they coped really well see, with something that yes. traumatic I, I see. seems a little unbelievable. Right. So, uh, they originally wanted to have a Thanksgiving mass for the men and their families at Camp Hope. Real quick, you were saying it is not, it's, it's like trauma rather than Well, I'm saying, uh, well, I feel like it's both hand in hand a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, it's, uh, trauma mixed with machismo. Like, they're like, we already went through all of that. I'm not going to, right. okay, I see. you know, yeah. like, even yeah. though they'll Sorry, still, even though they'll still feel it. You um, know what I mean? Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, am I just talking out of my ass right now? No, I'm mildly intoxicated. So, oh, uh, lucky you. So they were worried <laughs> that going back to the side of the mine too soon could be damaging for them. Yes. Um, and oh. so. Like I said, they should never have to work no, again. No, it was for a Thanksgiving mass at Camp Hope. Why oh, would they go okay, into okay. the mine? They wouldn't go into it, but they would be oh, near it, and so it would freak also them out. Also valid, they should, yeah, they don't want to go. Reporters and cameras often mine, uh, mobbed the miners, prompting the police to intervene and protect them. Uh, Omar Regadas' family was swarmed by the media after they left the uh, eventual mass and service at Camp Hope, uh, which occurred uh, on Sunday, October 17th, and was attended by six of the 33 rescued miners. Uh, his tw- two-year-old great-granddaughter started crying when pushed by the crowd, oh. and Regalas picked her up, and the camera zoomed in. And he stayed calm, but only offered his answer in response to their questions. I've had nightmares these days, Regalas said from inside a small tent while reporters jockeyed for position, but the worst nightmare is all of you. <laughs> yeah, they sound awful. Uh, yeah. Um, they wanted to start a foundation to help with mine safety and everything like that. (coughs) And, um, on October 24th, the miners attended a reception hosted by President Piñera at the Presidential Palace in Santiago, and they were awarded medals celebrating Chile's independence bicentennial. Outside, they posed for photographs next to the Phoenix Rescue Capsule, and, um... At the National Stadium, the freed miners played a football match against a team that included Piñera, uh, Lawrence Goldborn, the mining minister, and Jaime Manalik, 
the health minister. Team Esperanza, or Hope, led by Franklin Lobos, all wore, wore, the, wore the number 33, but they ended up losing 3-2 to two to the government team. Yep. Those bitches. That all sounds... <coughs> uh, while they were in the mine, the 33 miners chose to collectively contract with a single author to write an official history so that none of the 33 could individually profit from the experience of others. Yep. This was, uh, they chose Hector, Hector Tobar, a Pulitzer Prize winning writer at the Los Angeles Times, and he had exclusive access to the miners, and in 2014 published the unofficial account, the official account titled Deep Down Dark, the untold stories of 33 men buried in a Chilean mine and the miracle that set them free. That's a long thing. Um, but there are a bunch of books that were quick and dirty and had almost no cooperation from the miners, according to Tobar. And they're listed, but I'm not going to say them because they're not yeah, worth them. it. Fuck mm. um, the film The 33 was based on the events of the disaster, and it was directed by Patricia Regan and written by Miko Alan and Jose Rivera. Um, the story, the movie stars Antonio Banderas as Mario Super Mario Sepulveda, and <laughs> The actual Mario Sepulveda was very excited that Antonio Banderas was playing him because he would be. Um, But according to an interview with Patricia Riggin in 2015, the miners have never been compensated monetarily for their ordeal, and many of them suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, While they were down there, there were a couple of them, I I didn't include it, but a couple of them proposed to their wives. Wow. And they were like, one of them was like, as soon as I get out of here, I can get to marry you. Like, we'll go to the church and get married. One guy, wow. his wife gave birth to their baby. Oh my, and oh my god. They, he was able to watch through like a video thing. Oh. And he named her Esperanza. And Yay. yeah, so it's just, yeah, the youngest guy was 19. The oldest guy was like 63. So, and he had wow. a five month old daughter at the time. Holy shit. Did I say three year old? The 19 year old, sorry. <laughs> we were both. Con- but, I, but still, yeah, yeah wow. no, it's still crazy, but in a if different either way. Either age. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so the bare minimum for the other two. What is it? Where is it? Come on, bitch. Wait, so what day is it? I was like saying. It's twentieth. <laughs> it's a Tuesday. Tuesday, isn't it? Um. So Tuesday. in this one is the <laughs> Benhiksu Colliery, or the Honkieko. It's Chinese. I'm very sorry. Um, it happened in uh, April 26, 1942. There was a gas and coal dust explosion. Ended up being 1,327 people dead. Damn. How many? Uh, 1,327. That's the stone marker, but the true number is believed to be 1,549 Oh my god. Um... Yeah, so it was 34% of the miners working that day. It is the worst disaster in the history of coal mining. Uh, 31 (laughs) fatalities were Japanese, 1,518 were Chinese. So yeah. Uh, And then the Beaconsfield mine collapse, it happened in April 2006 in Beaconsfield, Tasmania, Australia. 17 people were trapped in the mine at the time. 14 escaped immediately following the collapse. One was killed, and the remaining two were found alive on the sixth day. And then they were uh, trapped in there for two weeks and ended up being rescued on May 9th, 2006. So that was another one where they had to spend time underneath. That's terrifying. This one was also interesting because 
Um, oh my goodness. Um, the two men sang The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, the only song they both knew, <laughs> in order to keep up their spirits. Um, what the heck? That's funny. Yeah, um, but Sad, I thought though. this one was interesting because, um, so they ended up, they sent, uh, stuff down to them, and they sent a digital camera, a torch, dry clothes, magazines, iPods, including music from the Foo Fighters, and Kevin Bloody Wilson, upon request, deodorant and toothpaste. Oh. Um, one letter to his wife, one of the guys said, it's not much of a room we have up here. Um, one mine official question, uh, so he said that Russell asked for the previous Saturday's newspaper because he said he would be looking for a new job <laughs> after joking about losing his current one for lazing about. One mine official question why Russell would want to look for another job since he already had one, and Russell in a later interview said that he, uh, could stick it up his ass. <laughs> Because they were like, you can stick your job up your ass because I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Um, Dave Grohl found out that um, they wanted his band, the Foo Fighters, to mm -hmm. be in there. And so he uh, issued a personal message via fax to them, indicating he would meet them for a beer. I love Dave his Grohl. His note in part said... I love Dave Grohl! He says, though I'm halfway around the world right now, my heart is with you both, and I want you to know that when you come home, there's two tickets to any Foo's show anywhere, and two cold beers waiting for you. Deal? Aww. In 2006, one of the- because one, like, one for each of them, basically. I'm sure he would have fucking bought them more beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. One of Just them- He's got a- he's a pity- a pity hunter. One of the miners took him up on the offer, and he joined him, uh, for a drink after the Foo Fighters acoustic concert at the Sydney Opera- uh, Opera House. Aww. Since then, Foo Fighters have written an instrumental tribute song called Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners. Wow. Um, there was also a horrible- hold on, where is it? Uh, so one of the men died from the cave-in. And satirist and comic performer Dan Illick wrote and performed a show at the Melbourne Fringe Festival based on it. It was titled um, Beaconsfield the Musical, but it was originally titled Beaconsfield, a musical in A flat minor. Which is pretty. What the fuck? Pretty not nice. Bro. <laughs> um, the new. They changed it to Beaconsfield, a musical in no particular key. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they there's also a mini series called uh, that eventually became a telemovie called Beaconsfield, and it ended up having an audience of 1.6 million the first time it was wow. transmitted. Well, that's a lot. So yeah, uh, this was really long. Hopefully, I'll be able to cut down some of it. A flat but minor. Wow. Yeah, next week is going to be Ennis for Norwegian death metal, so that should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, turn tune in for that. <laughs>
If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at AZ underscore podcast, or you can visit our Facebook page, A to Z podcast, or you can email us at azpodcasting at gmail.com. Also, we're available on a lot more platforms now. Visit our anchor page to see just where you can listen to us. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope y'all have a great day. 